Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Put on the whole armor of God. Amen. Put on that helmet of salvation and start thinking with the renewed mind again today. Put on that breastplate of righteousness, which is his breastplate of righteousness. Not yours. No, no, your righteousness is like filthy rags. Put on his breastplate. Put on, see, it's put on the armor of God, not put on your armor. Not Saul's armor, but put on the armor of God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for freedom. Thank you, Lord, for liberty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Wow, we could just about end it right there. That was powerful. Amen. You know, Liz, I know you're my wife and you're my best friend and all that kind of stuff, but I want to thank you for your obedience. And I want to thank you for your good word. Amen. You agree with me? I'd, tell, I'd say that to anybody, but I can say it to her too. Right? Truth is the truth. Well, hallelujah. hallelujah. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's the liberty man. He's, he's the liberty man. <coughs> hallelujah. As we receive today's offering, I'm believing the Lord for jobs and for better jobs, for raises and bonuses, for benefits, and salaries and income, for favorable settlements, for estates and inheritances, for interest and income for rebates and returns for checks in the mail gifts and surprises finding money debts paid off expenses decrease and blessings increase thank you lord for meeting all of my financial needs that i'll have more than enough to give into the kingdom of god and promote the gospel of jesus christ hallelujah now would you come and would you give generously to the Lord in Jesus name. Amen.
So let's give our gifts and let us set them apart, sanctify them unto the Lord. In the name of Jesus, would you stand with me and just reach out your hands? We're going to, we're going to sanctify this now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for what you have provided to us. We thank you, Lord, that you have, in your scripture, said you would supply our need according to your riches. So, Lord, we, we now ask you for your blessing and for your provision. You have never seen the righteous forsaken. You have never seen his seed begging for bread. And I pray, Lord, now for divine provision and favor poured out upon everyone who is given today. And Lord, as we lift up this offering to you, we sanctify it for your service. Lord, may it be sufficient to meet all the need. And I pray that your sufficiency will be poured out on everyone who gave today. That their needs will be met in the name of Jesus. That they'll not have to be, they'll not have to be overwhelmed and distracted from your service to you by material things. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, 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 amen. You may be seated. God is so good. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Well, I guess I need my Bible. That's my main book right there. Thank you, gentlemen, for your service. We bless our young people. We bless our children as they move into the next room for Children's Church. Bless you in Jesus' name. Bless the leadership, and uh, just pray for a real divine outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon that young people's group. Amen? You don't sound too enthused, but I want to see the children. I want to see a revival among children in this world. The children have taken, you know, it's been a difficult time enough for adults. But the children are going through stresses and stuff that you and I, well, we're so, we're so concerned about ourselves, But we need to pray for some kind of a divine, supernatural um, outpouring on the children across this world. Because they're feeling the effects of this, and it's going to affect their generations to come. And if we as adults are just so focused on ourselves, and we neglect them, well, you know, there was a fellow in the Bible who, you recall, the Lord was going to bring a judgment upon him. I forget what his name is right now. And he said, well, as long as it doesn't happen in my lifetime. Hezekiah, was it? And you know, there's a, there's a lot of old folks who have that same kind of a mentality. Well, as long, you know, I'm not going to be around much longer. Look, if, if that's the way you think, you need to slap yourself. Because it does matter. And I want to see, I want to be able to see it. I want to see God's outpouring among the next generations. We've got all these acronyms, X and Y and Z and baby boom and kaboom and you know now I, I don't really buy that people are people and they all need Jesus and these young people need Jesus and you better be nice to them because 
<clears throat> you may get to a, you may find out it's a very different world, and uh, they may have their finger on the plug or the switch. And you better hope that they have the power and the Holy Spirit in them to not send you off before your time. We need to pray for a divine outpouring among the young people. Let's just do that. Lord, I pray right now. I don't even really know how to verbalize it, Father. But I pray somehow, some way, that you will intervene in the affairs of men. And that the young generations, and yet those yet to be born, will be impacted by a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit that makes the one that we're in look insignificant. May, may their floor be our ceiling. May they supersede and do even greater things. Hallelujah. I pray for those who are alive and who are those who are yet to be born, that your power and anointing will come upon them, that will put the devil into such a tailspin, he will not even understand what hit him. I pray for every one of these young people that are in our building and out, outside in society. I pray for them to be impacted because they're, they're ignorant. They've been brought up by generations of people who don't even know you. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will be poured out in such a way that there will be the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. In the name of Jesus. Where, where humanity has dropped the ball, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will just hover over this, this void of chaos in this world spiritually. And that you will bring life to things that are dormant and dead in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, I just feel that. I, I have, uh, uh, I just need to pray again. I need to pray f as we begin to talk today. Holy Spirit, some people don't think we're supposed to pray to you, but I pray to you right now, Holy Spirit, because you are part of, Jesus said that it was important that he go so that you can come. And so I know you're here and I'm not ignoring your presence. So I pray for your divine anointing today to be upon my mouth, upon our ears and open unto us and teach us and lead and guide us into all truth today, I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, I don't know about these people, but I didn't come here to play church. I came here because it's not my job but because I desire. You said forsake not the gathering of yourselves together. There's power in fellowship and these people have something that I need. They have an anointing. They have a, an abiding presence that I need to harvest. And they need what I have. We need each other. We live in a world that's just crazy with trying to separate people right now. Separate people in all kinds of ways. Separate them in their thinking and their actually their physical ability to be together. And I come against that in the name of Jesus. Lord, you desire fellowship. You desire people to become one. You desire people to come together. You said, forsake not the gathering of yourself. You, you even said at the Last Supper, tarry one for another. So Lord, we desire your presence. And we desire the presence of our brothers and sisters today. Hallelujah. 
May it never happen. May it never happen that somebody is able to bring a breach between the body of Christ and cause us to have to go underground and try to find places to be together. We thank you for the freedom that we have to be here today. And Lord, we just thrive on your presence. So Holy Spirit, anoint your word. Anoint our fellowship. May we pick up on the anointing of one another that's sitting next to us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I'm not new age. I believe new age people are people who are trying to find truth. But there is only one truth. But you know, they, we, what we tend to do is we tend to run away from them because we think that they're, they're dangerous. But actually, they, are, uh, they are living with a counterfeit of what you and I should be living in. And you and I need each other. There's a presence that you have that, that it's not visible, but there's something that emanates from you. And there's something that emanates from me. And it, it needs to be harvested. And I've told you this probably every Sunday. Um, John the Baptist recognized that when the fetus Jesus walked into the room in his mother, there's, there's presence. And there's something inside of you and something inside of me that we need. Don't ever let Corona or Bologna or anything cause you to forsake the gathering of yourselves together. You can't Zoom this thing. This has got to be presence. I mean, it, you know, it can be done. I prayed for, I texted with a fellow and he got saved by a text message. So I know it can, I mean, he got healed through a text message. I know it can work, but it's not, it's not the preferable way. Amen. Because the Bible says lay hands on the sick. It doesn't say text them. But I've seen it happen. I've seen the Lord do some amazing things. I've seen him do some great crazy things. I, I, I remember a testimony while I was preaching. I gave a word and, and a lady knew that it wasn't for her. But she knew it was for her son who was across town it working that day. So she, she texted him and said the pastor just said somebody with your problem is being healed right now. Check yourself and see. And lo and behold, while he's sitting there at his desk, he got healed. He checked himself, and he had been in and out of hospitals for years and wasn't able to do a particular thing, and he was healed instantly. He, would, he wasn't even thinking about it. He was, on, he was at work doing business, and all of a sudden, he got healed. And he, he had a brother who was a business associate on, in another city with a similar problem, and he called him, and he said, or he texted him and he said, Mom just texted me and told me that I was healed. And he said, I'll bet, you, I'll bet you could be healed too. And right away, boom, his brother was healed at the same time. So I know God does stuff like that. You know, he said there's, in the last days there'll be signs and wonders. And some of these things just make us wonder. Like, well, how, how did that happen, you know? Some lady says, I'll just... Touch Jesus' robe and I'll be all better. Find that one in the Bible. But she did it, you know. So do something dangerous. Take a risk. Believe God. Just believe him. You say, well, I know, but you don't know what I'm going through. This one's really a big one. This is an impossible thing. I'll, I bet you... Now, I'm not, betting, I'm not saying that as far as betting, but I'm just saying that as a figure of speech. But I'll bet you that what you're going through, 
other people in this world have gone through somewhere in time and history. So you're not exclusive. Right? There, there has nothing overtaken us but, which is, but that which is common to man and women. So what you're going through, and you know, Jesus healed all kinds of stuff. He went about doing good, healing all that were sick. Is that what it says? Uh-uh, didn't say that. He said he but went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Where does sickness come from? Is it God trying to teach you a lesson? Come on. Jesus said a house divided against itself can't stand. Why would, is that, is that, I'm not a psychologist, but isn't that schizophrenia? When you make a problem and fix it? You think God is stupid? No. He doesn't, he doesn't make problems so he can fix them, and he doesn't put sickness on you to teach you a lesson. That's just stupid. You don't do that to your kids, do you? I hope you don't. If you do, Child Protective Service is going to come and get you. And so if you, being evil, know how to good, do good things for your kids, how much more do you think your Father in Heaven is going to do good things to them that love Him? Amen. Amen? Amen? God is good. He's not bad. You know? He's a good, he's a good God. I... I planned for a couple of sermons today, and I still don't know which one I'm going to do. But I'm going to try a few things, and we'll see which, we'll throw something at the wall and see what sticks. <clears throat> now, here's a dangerous chap, here's a dangerous book to, to take anything from, but I'm going to start in the book of Job. Some people, that's their problem, they just need a job. But Job is an interesting book because, you know, the, peop the people that Job had as his counselors, God reprimanded them because of their cockamamie counsel that they gave Job. Remember that? And he finally told him, he said, you better have Job pray for you because I'm not too happy with you. So picking something from Job and preaching of it, out of it, you have to make sure that you know it's good. But this verse here was quoted by James, and James was Jesus' brother, so I feel safe. Okay, <laughs> if you're if you're if you're in harmony with Jesus's brother, then I think you're on good territory. So, chapter number twenty-two of Job, and I'm going to go from verse twenty-seven to verse number thirty. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee, and thou shalt pay thy vows. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. And the light shall shine upon thy ways. When men are cast down, thou shalt say, there is a lifting up. And he shall save the humble person. He shall deliver the island of the innocent. And it is... and. It is delivered by the pureness of your hands. Now, there's a lot of people that are downcast right now, aren't they? You ever run across people that are downcast? Uh, well, maybe how many of you are downcast? 
Well, you, I need to, you all need a cup of espresso? <laughs> we do have some coffee. I'm just, fu I'm just fussing with you. You're okay. But there, there's a lot of people that are down right now. And what we need to do is talk to them and say, there is hope. There is a lifting. This is, let me just say this. Now, if you were to go to any country in the world, in past history or present history, <clears throat> you know that as a general rule, the news and the propaganda of that country is going to be pro that country, right? Very, very, like, well, let's just so that I can prove my point. If, I, if you were to go to North Korea, would you find anything in their negative about the politicians? Why not? Yeah, you wouldn't be around much longer, you know. How about if you tried that in China? Would you would you get away with it very long? Now you so so now let me bring it closer to home. You say, but thank God we don't do that in the United States. We don't do that in other countries. Well, I'm telling you something. There's manipulation in what you're told. I don't care where you live. There's manipulation in what you're exposed to. And so when you're manipulated into a particular way of thinking, it can get you down. Because for a believer, especially because the word of God is contrary to what the, what the world says. So what we as believers need to do is we need to put our trust in the word of God and not what in, is popular opinion in the world today. And, and when people are down, because people are, this is, this is a downer. I mean, what's going on in the world today is a downer. But I'm telling you to here, when men are cast down, you shall say, there is a lifting, and he shall save the humble person. And he shall deliver the island of the innocent, and it shall be delivered by the pureness of your hands. The pureness of your hands. Do you understand when, when the Lord when Jesus cleanses you from all unrighteousness, your hands become pure hands. Did you know that? And that's why he says, I want you to take your hands and lay them on the sick, and they shall recover. Look at your hands right now. You say, in Jesus' name, these are pure hands. Now, you need to take those hands, and you need to put them to work for the Lord. He wants to do something mighty through your hands in Jesus' name. You say, yeah, but you don't know what I've been involved in. These hands have been in a lot of, well, in Jesus' name, they are made holy and righteous. The blood of Jesus sprinkled upon you it goes from head to foot. Amen? Now, just so that you know that I want to verify, uh, I told you this was this was talked about by Jesus' brother James, so I want you to make sure, I want you to know that's true. So go to the book of James. And in chapter number four, by the way, this is not what I was going to preach about today. <clears throat> but chapter four of James, and verse number, um, where'd it go? James four. 6. James 4, 6 says this. He gives more grace, wherefore he saith, 
The Lord resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. His grace is sufficient. Amen? Now you say, well, I don't recall. I don't recall hearing that in Job. Well, didn't he say in here, he shall save the humble person? In verse number 29. You see, when James was quoting this, he knew the context of the verse when he picked out that phrase. So he wasn't just picking and choosing. He took, he never takes, you never take things out of context. He knew the context of that verse. So when he quotes and he says that God will, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You say, but sometimes I'm not always that humble. Well, <clears throat> you know, some people misunderstand humility and they don't know the difference between humility and confidence. A person that's confident may not necessarily always come across as humble. Did you know that? But humility and confidence can be, can be good. You know, there's a verse in the scripture. It's actually a verse that I woke up with this morning. It says this, we have this confidence. We have this confidence that he who hath begun a good work is faithful to complete it. That's what I woke up with this morning. We have this confidence that he who has done, started, begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Do you know what God started with you? He's able to finish it with you. Aren't you glad that you don't have to try to do it yourself? Because I, I mess things up. Do you mess things up? Oh my goodness. I mess things up all the time. But I know that the work that he started in me, he's faithful to complete it, to complete it and I can be confident in that. And then there's another verse that says, cast not away your confidence. Because there is sure recompense of reward. You and I need to be confident that God is going to see us through. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So you can be confident and still be humble. And God honors the confident. He honors humility. Amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <clears throat> All right. Go to the book of 2 Peter. <clears throat> we're in a, hard to believe, but we're in a brand new year. Amen? I think that God does these kinds of things on purpose. So, because really, did you notice any difference when the clock flipped over to 2022? Yeah. Not really. But you know what? God wants us to, to get, have hope that we're entering a new season and the old is past and new has come. And I believe that you and I need to have those little boosts of a chance to start over and a chance to begin. A new. Amen? Let's put all the gobbledygook from 2021 behind us. And let's go in with a clean slate on 2022. Now, how, how do you do that? Well, you may think that I'm going to contradict myself when I say this. But as you go into a new year, you need to 
you need to bring into your vocabulary or into your mental your mentality remembering something um, there is a there's another verse that I like to always read um, I wrote it down before I came up here oh yeah here it is I wrote it down I didn't give Ken or Thomas my notes, so he's just flying solo. Go to, go to the book of Mark, chapter 8. I, I haven't forgotten about Second Peter. You can keep your finger there. But go to Mark. And Mark, chapter 8, verse 18, Jesus gave a, Jesus gave a little secret. He revealed a secret. Do you like secrets? I like it when somebody reveals a, a tip. I'm always, I'm always falling for these clickbaits that say 10 secrets for whatever. Do you do that? Sometimes I don't, but sometimes I do because I want to know shortcuts and tips and tricks, right? Some, because sometimes they're very valuable. So here's one from Jesus. Here's some good clickbait. <clears throat> Jesus says in chapter 8, verse number 18, Have you eyes and see not? How many of you have eyes today? Now, some of us have eyes, but we see not. And that's an interesting thing. We, we've lost our vision. Do you ever lose your vision? You, you just cannot quite see, right? Jesus says, have you eyes and see not? Have you ears and hear not? Did you hear what I said? <laughs> have you, some people have ears and they hear not. So how is it that people have eyes and ears, but they're not working? How do you get them working again? Now let me talk about this in a spiritual context. How many have ever heard the Lord talk to you? Something, he talks. Now here's what. I'm sure you have. God doesn't always speak in English when he talks. Did you know that? He, sometimes he speaks in English. But he speaks to us in a lot of different ways. He speaks to us in dreams and in visions. And he puts thoughts in our mind. So now how many have heard the Lord talk to you? Yes, you have. Oh, my goodness. He gives you direction. He gives you, he gives you inspiration. He leads and guides your steps. How many um, have seen God do something amazing in your life or in other people's lives? Sure. But how many has been a little while since that's happened on a regular basis? You've gone sometimes days, weeks, months, and you haven't heard, you haven't seen the Lord. You, you know that he, in the past you have, but you haven't seen him do it for quite a while. How many, have had, how many have gone through a dormant season in your life? Sure you have. Well, <clears throat> so Jesus is saying you have eyes, but you don't see. You have ears that you don't hear. So he gives us a, tr a tip here on how you can restore your sight and your hearing. And here's how you get your hearing and your sight back spiritually. He says, having eyes you see not, having ears you hear not. Do you not remember? Remembering restores your vision and your hearing. 
Because when you begin to remember what God has done, it will restore your vision and your hearing to, for him to do it again in your life. Hallelujah. That's very true. So how many, as we go into a new year, you want this to be a year of vision and you want to hear the Lord, you want to see what he's doing, then you need to remember what he has already done for you. Because there's remembering. Now let me, do you remember in the Bible there's that chapter, I think it's in Hebrews 12 or 13, we call it the Hall of Fame of Faith. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know what one of the listings in the Hall of Fame of Faith was? What is that, Thomas? I didn't look it up. I'm flying solo today. I think it's Hebrews 12, isn't it? Is it 11? Okay. So it says, by faith, this person did that. By faith, this person did that. But look down through the list. There's, there's a verse in there that talks about Joseph. <clears throat> and see if you can find that one about Joseph. It says that by faith, Joseph remembered. Do you know that remembering is part of having faith? Remembrance is an aspect of faith that not a lot of us have mined yet. We have not mined that truth out yet. But remembering is a powerful thing. You found it? By faith, by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention. Well, that's not Joseph remembered, though. But anyways, remembering is part of faith. Remembering is part of faith. So if you want fullness of faith, you have to be a person who remembers. Now, now that we've done that, go back to, to first, second Peter, because that's where your finger still is. Remember? Remember? So chapter number one, <clears throat> verse number 12 says this, or verse number 10 says this. Wherefore, my brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. God has called you and he's elected you. I'm having some real re-evaluation in my older years about election. Because I'm seeing so many people who have I'm seeing so many people who have been playing the game of being a Christian for a long time. And then all of a sudden, they reject the Lord. And I'm thinking to myself, how can that be? Have they been, has this been a game to them all this time? How could they do that? And I'm not a Calvinist and I'm not an Armenian. I'm more of a Carmenian. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, and that's okay. But I, I do think that when he's talking about here, and he says, make sure your calling and election are sure, I believe God has, has elected people. I believe he's elected. And um, so anyway, he said, give all diligence to make sure your calling and election are sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. Never fall. Now jump down to verse number 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent 
to put you always in remembrance. God, see, here's that remembrance thing again. It's the thing that Peter is saying, I'm wanna be, I don't want to be negligent in calling you to remembrance of the things, though you know them and are established in the present truth. And then he says in verse 13, yeah, I think it important or meet as long as I am in this temple to stir you up and put you in remembrance. And I believe it's important as we go into this new year to put you in remembrance of what God's word has to say about you. <clears throat> it will be restorative for you. It will be restorative for your vision and for your hearing. And I, I think we really need to hear from God in these days. We need to hear from God in these days. He will speak to you. He will speak to you. Now, look at verse number 15. It says, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able to, after my decease, to have these things always in your remembrance. So he wants you to have to, he wants you to be able to remember without, telling, without people telling you to remember. You and I need to be people who are constantly living in remembrance. Hallelujah. I remember when. Do you remember your parents ever talking to you about that? Well, I remember when I was a boy. Well, there's some value to that. You know that? People, in order for people to be able to know how to uh, shape their life, they need, it's, you know what's really important is when you're going through a struggle to talk to somebody that's already been through that struggle. There's so much help in that, isn't there? Because they'll say, you know what happened to me was this, but what I did was this. And you go, yeah, that's something that I need to do. It puts you into remembrance. Now, go over to chapter number three, because as we talk about remembrance, Verse number 9 of chapter 2 of 2 Peter. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them <clears throat> that walk after the flesh <clears throat> in the lust of uncleanness and despise government Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Now, you know, there's some, bless their hearts, well-meaning Christians who think that this verse is talking about them. So they say, oh, I have to be careful not to talk about, uh, how, not to talk evil of government and dignitaries. But, you know, this verse is not talking to believers here. It says, chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Are you walking in lust and uncleanness? They're presumptuous and they're self-willed and they're not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. So I said to myself, well, now that's not, that doesn't sound like me. So I looked up those words and the word government is the word lordship. And the word dignitaries is the word doxa. Remember we talked about doxa? Have you ever sung the doxology? 
Doxa is glory. So there's some, there's people who are speak evil of the glory of God and speak evil of God. That's not what you and I are talking about. It's not talking about government. Do you think that if, if Adolf Hitler was your president, you would, re, you would honor and respect him? What about the three Hebrew children when they were told to bow down? Did they honor and respect and bow down? No. What about the apostle Paul when they were told, now stop preaching this gospel? Did they stop? No. You know, so, so showing honor to somebody who's ungodly, I'm, not, I'm never going to honor the devil. I, I don't care what you say, I'm not going to honor the devil. And I'm not going to honor somebody who is under the devil's control. So this verse is not talking to me, but I will honor the Lord. The three Hebrew children said, we will not bow because, and because we know our God can deliver us. And even if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow. And you can see this time and time again. I won't spend a lot of time camping out on that. But, but there are times when you do not obey ungodly governments. Amen? Amen? So anyway, so now well, let's keep going because that's not what I, where I wanted to park. <clears throat> Jump down now to um, verse number 14. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, a heart have they exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following after the way of Balaam, the son of Bezor. And that's, you remember the story about Balaam's donkey. Some people don't listen to the voice of the Lord, so he gives them another voice to listen to. Now go to chapter number three of Second Peter. <clears throat> I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. There we go again with remembrance. Peter's saying I want to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. That ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. And the commandment of the apostles and the Lord and Savior. Knowing this, that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this, they willingly are ignorant by Ignorant that the word of the Lord, that by the word of the Lord, the heavens of old, were of old and the earth standing out of the waters and in the waters. What's he talking about there? Whereby the world that then was, was overflown by, overflowed by water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept and reserved unto fire against that day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Wow, has Peter ever taken an interesting turn? There's going to be a renovation of this world. 
by water in the past, but in the future by fire. Hallelujah. So, he says in verse number 8, But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that a day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day. So, what he's trying to say here is that with God, there's not a time limit. Now, he's using a thousand years, but that does, and that's, that's true. I'm sure a day is with the Lord. It's a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. But with the Lord, he's not even bound by years and days because he lives in eternity. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. In other words, he's, he's not inconsistent. He doesn't forget. He doesn't neglect. He's not a procrastinator, right? He doesn't put it off. He's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But he is long-suffering to us, word, <clears throat> not willing <clears throat> that any should perish. Isn't that important? God is not willing that any should perish. I've got my choice today. But he's not willing that any should perish. Where did I leave off? Thank you. But that all should come to repentance. <clears throat> What's God waiting for? <clears throat> Why is he taking so long? Because he wants all, ideally, preferably, to come to repentance. What's repentance? I've talked about that in the past at length, haven't I? But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens will pass with a great noise and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Brother and sister, don't spend a whole lot of time accumulating stuff. Did you know that? All that stuff that you want, it's okay to have these little gadgets and stuff, but don't make that your life's ambition. It's okay, to, it's okay to have things to make your life comfortable. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but don't make those your gods. And, and never hold on to anything too tightly. Always be able to let it go. If, if you can't let it go, it's becoming a god to you. Hallelujah. Now, that's, that's a hard thing to say because there's some things that we just have a hard time letting go of. There's memories that we have a hard time letting go of. There's heirlooms we have a hard time letting go of. There's just stuff. But you know what? It's all going to burn up. So if you're hanging on to it, man, you're going to get your hand burned because the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat and, and they will be burned up Seeing then that these things shall be dissolved, what kind of person do you suppose you ought to be? We ought to be in all holy conversation and in godliness. We ought to be holy and godly. So that the things that will burn up can be burned up, but only the good will remain. You got to build on a foundation now, there are people that are building on a good foundation, but what they're building on that foundation is wood, hay, and stubble. 
So the foundation's going to stay, but it's going to be a pile of ashes. Now, there are other people, though, that are building on a good foundation, and they're building out of gold, silver, and precious stone. Now, you can build with whatever material you want to build, but will it stand up against the fire? Hallelujah. So the things that you're building with, use better building materials. Amen? Looking for that day, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the Lord, of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Boy, Peter's talking about stuff here that's way outside of our natural um, way of thinking. Amen? But, you know, that's important because all the stuff that we're being stressed out about today, the good and the bad, it's going to get burned up. Don't let people bother you. Don't let what they're doing bother you. If somebody goes through your yard and leaves tire tracks, don't let it bother you. Their pickup's going to burn up. Just being silly. How many have ever had that happen? Yeah, we have it happen here from time to time. I, I'm not wishing for their pickups to burn up. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Do you know that there's going to be a, a world coming one of these days that only righteousness will prevail? No unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Because there's going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords is going to rule and reign there. Now, you can't have a king of kings without some kings. And you can't have a Lord of lords without lords for the Lord to be the Lord of lords over. So guess who the kings and the lords are going to be? Raise your hand. Hallelujah. And you and I are going to rule and reign with him. Now, you can't rule if there's nobody to rule over. Right? So if, here's the deal. If you can't manage yourself, how are you going to be able to manage others? The, the script Jesus said, know ye not that one day you shall judge angels? I think we need to be a little bit more responsible in how we live our life for the Lord. Now, these are the kinds of things we need to think about. We need to remember what God said about these things because if you, when you remember, you'll get your hearing and your sight back. And you'll be able to see more clear. You'll be able to hear more clear what God is up to. Because God wants to do some great things, but you're, unless you have his vision and his hearing, you're, you're going to be listening to all these other talking heads, and it's going to confuse you. Remember what he said and remember his promises and account that the long suffering of the Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you as also all the epistles speaking in them of things which were hard to understand but they, that, uh, but they that are unlearned and unstable wrestle, that's what rest means, wrestle as they do also the other scriptures, 
unto their destruction. There's just some things that when you read in the scripture, especially in Paul's gospels, that are just too hard to swallow. And Jesus, the, the same thing about Jesus. There were certain things that he said that people just had a hard time swallowing. When he said, for instance, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood or else you have no part of me. And some people went, hmm, I don't think I can manage that. I'm going to go to a different church. That place is teaching cannibalism or something. There's just some things in the scripture that are difficult for us to understand. Paul was a great guy at that. One, one of the things he talked about was that he talked about the fact that we are sons and daughters of God. And people don't want to see themselves as a son and a daughter. The manifestation of the sons of God. You know that the earth is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. This earth is not groaning because we're polluting it with plastic and fossil fuels. It's groaning that you and I aren't being sons and daughters of God. When you're a son and daughter of God, you're not going to pollute anyway. But that's the byproduct of it. And you don't need to be green. You need to be clothed in white. And when you're clothed in white, you'll do the right thing. And the earth will be full of glory. But if, if you're trying to put the cart in front of the horse, that's not going to work. Horses don't push carts. They pull them. And the, and the world has got things backwards. You start serving the Lord in righteousness and all these things shall follow them that believe. These signs shall follow them that believe. You start living for the Lord and being righteous and the, and the earth will just be full of glory. The earth is groaning right now saying, oh, come on, people. Don't you get it? All we want you to do is to live up to the potential. God said, subdue and have dominion over me. And I need you to, to obey him. Because right now, there's just the weeds are out of control. So subdue and have dominion over me. And, and don't worry about, you know, plastic straws. That's not the big deal. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying you should be litter bugs. I'm not promoting that. But you need to, but you see, Paul talked about the manifestation of the sons of God. He talked about things that were, he talked about things that were spiritual or weighty, were meaty. But people were so focused on, on like the Germans said when I was a little kid, that's some of these words. They're just focused on Nebensacher. Stuff that's unimportant. Nonsensical stuff. Now, I want you to go to one other place with me because we're talking about remembrance. And, he, and I want you to catch the importance of remembrance today. So go to the book of 2 Corinthians. We're going to talk about one of these things that Paul talked about today. Some of the hard things that Paul spoke about. So go to 1 Corinthians, I should say. And chapter number 10, he says this. Wherefore, dearly beloved, beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak to wise men. Judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, 
Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? And the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body. So when Jesus is saying, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, he's not saying tear off a drumstick, and take a bite out of it. Because he says, you are one bread and you are one body. And that goes right back to what I started talking about to you when I started talking today. And that is that you need to partake, be partakers of one another. Now, some of us are really fine at taking a bite out of each other, but not in the right way. You need to partake of the, of the giftings and the fellowship of your brothers and sisters around you. You're one body. You are the body of Christ. And we need to be partakers one of another. Behold, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat the sacrifices. Which, uh, are they not they which eat of sacrifices and partakers of the altar? Now jump to verse 21. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Now, I want to talk about this remembrance thing. So, jump over now to chapter number 12. No, no, chapter 11. Chapter 11 of the book of 1 Corinthians says this. Verse number 23. Here's one of those hard things that Peter said about John, about Paul, that some of the things he said are hard for us to understand. Because Peter said, I received something from the Lord that was delivered unto me. See, Paul and the other disciples the other 12 disciples, because Paul wasn't named as one of the 12, there was potential for some jealousy between them because Paul boasted that, yeah, you guys walked around with Jesus for three and a half years, but I spent three and a half years with him personally on Mount Sinai in Arabia. So you got nothing on me. You had to walk with him altogether, but I had a private conversation with him. Well, so that bothers people. You know, it, Christians can get jealous of each other's experience, can't they? Ever get jealous of other, other Christians? So it's, there was some potential because Peter and Paul knocked heads a few times, didn't they? But they worked it out and... Sometimes you will butt heads with your fellow brothers and sisters, but you got to get it worked out because God gives revelation. And Paul got a revelation. He said, this was delivered unto me personally that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, now he's going to start talking to them about the communion and he wasn't there. Paul was not there at the Passover meal before, the night before Jesus went to the cross, was he? 
but the other ones were. So he's going to give them instruction and say, I had something that was privately delivered unto me about what happened that night. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. There's that word remembrance again. He said, I want you to take this bread in remembrance. Remember. Is he wanting you to remember how terrible of a time Jesus went through on Calvary and the amount of blood that he lost? You know, I've heard really heart-wrenching sermons on this of the terrible distress that Jesus went through. And I know he did. But Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could feel sorry for him. He's not looking for your pity. Jesus is not looking for your pity. He's looking for your obedience. And he's looking for you to take up your cross and follow him. He's looking for you to remember why it was that he did what he did. Because when you die, when he died, you died. Aren't you glad for that? If I died for my sins, I'd get what I deserve and I'd be gone. But because he died my death, I get his righteousness, right? So he says, These do this in remembrance of me. And when you do this in remembrance of him, you'll start to get your vision and your hearing back. When you start to take that body and that blood and you start taking communion, you'll say, yes. Okay, now I understand. Now I know what my mission is. Now I know what I'm here for. I've got renewed vision again. Because now what I see is that I am as he is in this life. And I need to fulfill the mission that's on me. I'm here to do his will. I'm here to fulfill his will. So he says, he, say, he quoted Jesus and he said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance. And then he said in verse 25, after the same manner, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And a lot of us are still trying to adapt the old covenant into the new covenant. But Jesus established a new covenant. Amen? And he said, when you partake of this cup, you are partaking of the New Testament in my blood, not some sheep blood, not some lamb that you had to spread the blood on the doorpost, and every year you'd have to kill another baby lamb. No, when you partake of my blood, it's once for all. So when you take of my blood, you do it in remembrance. There's the word again, remembrance of me. Do you see why Peter was always talking about remembrance? Do you see why Jesus is talking about remembrance? Do you see why I'm talking to you about remembrance as we go into this new year? If you, start, if you keep in remembrance of what God has done, you won't, be in, uh, you won't be in despair by what you see going on around you. Remember, remember, remember. And remember that Jesus never fails. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is, the, he is the ancient of days. He never changes. He doesn't have to adjust to new styles and, and new inventions. He is the same. Hallelujah. 
And, and like I've told you before, don't worry about tomorrow. Jesus is already there. He's waiting for you to get to tomorrow and says, hey, man, come here. Look at this. This is really great. I've got something in store for you. And he even wants us to dip into tomorrow and harvest it for today. What does God have in, in store for you tomorrow? He, you know, God, God enjoys people who will do things in faith. In fact, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And what is one of the parts of faith is remembering but sometimes remembering is knowing what God did is something that he's going to do again. So I reach into my tomorrow, because my time has not yet come, and I reach into there and I pull out the ability to turn the water into wine. It's not supposed to happen until tomorrow, but I'm going to pull tomorrow into today. I'm going to reach up into heaven and I'm going to say, I'm going to take thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. Not in the planet, in the globe, but in earth as it is in heaven. Because this is a temple. There's, a, there's another temple there, but I'm going to take as in heaven, so in earth. Hallelujah. I'm going to walk today in what's going to yet come. Now there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. We just read about that, right? I even want to reach into what is not yet. Things that are not as though they were. God blessed Abraham for that. If he blessed Abraham for doing that, then I'm going to get the same blessing. Right? If it worked for Abe, it'll work for me. So then he says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you, do, you are showing the Lord's death until he comes. Do you know he's coming? He's coming again. Until he comes, we're going to keep doing this and we're going to keep reminding ourselves, remembering, remembering, and remember. And one of these days he's going to come. Hallelujah. And we're going to sit down with him at the table and we're going to look upon him. And, you know, we're probably not going to recognize him, but we're, we're going to recognize him because like somebody said one time, do you know the only man-made thing in heaven is scars. So we're going to look at him and we'll know by the scars. Do you know that for eternity he's going to have the scars? Which is going to cause us all through eternity, we're going to look at those scars and for all eternity we're going to do what? We're going to be remembering. <laughs> so remembering is a very important thing, isn't it? And when we remember, what is it that we're going to remember? I'm here because of what he did for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and we will have vision. I want to have vision, don't you? Amen. I want to remember what he did for me. So he says, but let a man examine himself. Oh, I skipped. I skipped verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty in body of the body and blood of the Lord. So there are some people who say, oh, I'm not worthy to take this. I wouldn't take that. I'm so unworthy. And so they don't take it and they eat and drink damnation. Do you know what? He made you worthy. So you don't have to eat and drink of it unworthy. He says, don't you dare drink this stuff unworthily. Drink it worthily. So he says, otherwise you'll be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a man examine himself 
and let him reevaluate and let him remember what that he's worthy and, and then so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself. Why in the world would you want to do something that way? Eat and drink worthily in Jesus' name. Because why? Because he doesn't have discernment. God, give us discernment. He says, because they haven't discernment about the Lord's body. Well, what is the Lord's body? People don't discern the Lord's body. What is the Lord's body? You are his body. And when you have discernment about who you are and that you are his body, don't you dare say that you're anything else. If he says, you are my body, then you should have discernment about that and you should partake of the Lord's body. For this cause, there are many that are weak and there are sick among you and many sleep because they don't have spiritual discernment that they are part of the body of Christ. It's pretty good, isn't it? Sounds too good to be true? It sounds too good to be true, but it is true. And you have been made worthy by him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to do something now, and I'm going to ask those who are watching to do something. Come and let's partake of this together. If you're with somebody that can't get around, you can, you can bring one for the person that's sitting next to you or around you, but come and let's take of these elements and let's, let's do this in remembrance today. You ready to do something in remembrance? And as we do something in remembrance, you can come while I'm talking. As we do this in remembrance, one of the amazing things about remembering is remembering that if he did it before, he'll do it again. He's going to do it again. I remember a lot of the things the Lord has done. And I, I know that he's going to do it again. He's going to do it again in you. Hallelujah. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Do it again today. Do it again this year. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thomas. Um getting right down to the bottom of the barrel. I hope we have enough. We got three left. Who's, who didn't get yours yet? yet? We, nobody should be left out. We got plenty, plenty, plenty. Did they get it in the media room? All right. We got two left. Anybody missing it? We tarry. We tarry one for another, right? Lord Jesus, I thank you for this reminder that you give to us exclusively. You have given an exclusive reminder to your body. And Lord, I remember now, I remember that your word says that by your stripes I'm healed. I remember that. I remember that you bore in your body the stripes for my healing. So what I'm going through right now is illegitimate. 
it's living inside of me. This sickness that I have is living inside of me, but it is, it is an invader. It is intrusive. It doesn't belong there. And you took it and took it to the cross 2,000 years ago. Actually, longer than that, because you were slain before the foundation of the world. So in the name of Jesus this morning, I come against every sickness in my body and in the body of my brothers and sisters. And as I take this bread, Lord, I take this bread, which is the body of Christ, and as I receive it, I receive the healing that comes from the stripes that were on that body of yours. And in the name of Jesus, I come against every affliction. I come against every sickness in my body and every sickness in the body of Christ, every sickness in the body of people in this room. Just lay your hand on yourself today. Put your hand, just put your hand over your hearts because it's the easiest thing to do. And, in a, and say this, in Jesus' name, I receive the healing that Jesus paid for when he took the stripes upon his body. I receive that healing now. In Jesus' name, shall we partake of the bread together. Lord, I just receive it right now. I thank you that you're mending Mending things. Lord, I just pray right now for Michael, who's probably at home, taking communion with us. And if you're watching online, don't feel bad because you don't have grape juice and fancy bread. Just go, go grab a glass of water, a glass of orange juice, a cup of coffee. Don't worry about the fancy bread. Grab a donut. Grab a cracker. But take something and partake of it right now. And Lord, I pray that your healing will flow even out to people who are watching. Maybe not even while it's taking place, but days from now, weeks from now, I pray that your healing virtue will flow into houses, into lives right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that you're so faithful, that you're so consistent, that you, that you do things that are way outside of protocols because you're just that kind of a God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And as he took the cup, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you eat this, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. So Lord, I thank you that you are the cleanser of sin. You sprinkle us with your precious blood. That blood that is so precious it's incorruptible blood. It never corrupts. Nothing can corrupt it. It's powerful. There's power in the blood. There's, there's so much power in your blood that even these 2,000 years after you died on the cross, people are still being cleansed by your blood today. Even 2,000 years removed from Calvary, <clears throat> we can apply the blood to our house. We can be we can, we can plead the blood over our life. And there's so much power that it's a barrier that Satan cannot cross the bloodline. Hallelujah. We are now of a new blood. Whereas our family tree might have had crooks and thieves and horse, horse thieves and everything. 
this new family tree that we're a part of only goes back one generation, and that's to our father and our brother, Jesus. And we are in a new bloodline right now. So, Lord, we receive the cleansing of your blood. And, Lord, I, I claim that cleansing upon my family. I claim that cleansing upon the lost sheep in my family. And in the name of Jesus, I sanctify them. In the name of Jesus. You say, Pastor, you can't do that. Yes, I can. Do you know that the believing spouse can sanctify the unbelieving spouse? And so if I can do that with a spouse, I can do that with my children. And so I sanctify those set apart, those lost sheep in the name of Jesus. And I plead the blood over them. And I say to the devil, get your filthy hands off of them in Jesus' name. I break off your authority. I break off any agreements that have been made. I cancel them in the name of Jesus. As a father of the family, I cancel agreements that I don't come into agreement with. I cancel agreements that go contrary to the word of God in the name of Jesus. I cast down every thought that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And I take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ in the name of Jesus. And I apply the blood of Jesus to my family, to my own life. And the saving power of Jesus Christ I declare over my household, over this church, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Let's partake of this blood together. There is, wow, that's strong. That'll cause you to pucker. There is power, power. In the blood of the Lamb, there is power, power, wonder-working power. In the precious blood of the Lamb, oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power. In the blood of the Lamb, oh, there is power, power. Wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Oh, there is power, power. Of the Lamb, there is power, power, wonder-working in the precious blood of the Lamb. Oh, you're a beautiful choir. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You shall bring forth fruit in your season. Your leaf will not wither and whatsoever you do will prosper. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing 
that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and who is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and honor and dominion and power both now and forever. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you. Love each other. Happy New Year. Have a great day. We'll see you at 630 tonight. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. <laughs>